Well, good evening, everybody. Good to see you all. Uh, welcome to our, well, the second in the series of uh, Sunday evening seminars, um, uh, looking at different aspects of relationships. The recording of the one we did last week on marriage is now available online if you weren't able to be with us and you'd like to catch up on that one. And this one will also be made available for those who are not able to be here with us in person this evening. Uh, there will once again be the chance to ask questions at uh, an appropriate moment. Um, just put your minds at risk. The, uh, the session is not being live streamed. So if there are any sort of more sensitive questions, we can edit those out before we um, put it online. Um, and if the pastor makes some bloopers, we can also edit those out as well, I think. Um, so that's, that's reassuring. Um, we do uh, hope these seminars will be useful for everybody. Because um, as Nathan said this morning, whether or not they directly apply to you, we're all part of a church family. Um, and it's important for us to understand the sorts of challenges that other people in the church family are going through, even if we ourselves are not um, directly involved in those at this time. Uh, we do need to be able to support and pray for each other. Well, this evening we're going to be looking at the topic of parenting, um, and it certainly reminds us that um, uh, we are weak as humans, um, but we have a Heavenly Father who is perfect. Um, he's one in whom we can trust. He's one in whom we can look to for strength, and knowing that he will give us what we need each day. Lamentations 3 says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your perfect parenthood, for your sacrificial love which you demonstrated by sending your son to earth to live the perfect life that we as human beings have been unable to live, to die the death that we deserved so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be adopted into your family as your children. And we thank you for your endless grace that you pour out on us. We thank you that you never give up on us we thank you that you never fail to forgive us. And as we consider the subject of parenting this evening, we pray for your help, that uh, we would better understand what you call us to do as Christian parents, that you would give us greater wisdom and patience and love to be better able to bring our children up to know you. Father, there will be people here this evening or watching um, the recording in different situations, parents of uh, <clears throat> young children or older children, grown-up children, uh, couples maybe hoping to have children at some point, maybe those with children who are walking with the Lord and those with children who have strayed away. And there will be church family members here who have a concern for those who are parents and who have a concern for the children in our church family. So Lord, we pray that whatever our situation this evening, we pray that you would equip us, that uh, you would encourage us, and that we'd be able to trust in your strength and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, as we were saying last week, um, when you're trying to do one seminar on any particular subject, um, it's difficult to know what to include. There's loads of aspects we could include about parenting this evening. And hopefully, if you are a parent, you'll have benefited from a lot of the resources that uh, Nathan has been providing you with on a regular basis. Um, so what I thought I would do uh, this evening, um, thanks, Emma. given that the book of Ephesians is fresh in our minds from the morning sermon series, is just pull out some key lessons from, from that book. And as I said before, even if we don't have our own children, there is a sense that um, we're all parents here because um, we're part of a church family. And so we want to better understand the struggles of each other and be better equipped to pray for each other in those different uh, struggles and challenges. So I'm not, uh, certainly not speaking as an expert in this area um, or one who's got it at all sorted. Um, but someone who's had children, um, still has children, um, but uh, has parented them through the toddler years, through the uh, childhood years, through the teenage years and into early uh, adulthood. And in the process... Um, you know, Liz and, I have, Liz and I have enjoyed the, the many uh, exciting moments of parenthood, uh, as well as experienced the challenges of, of parenthood. And I think we've probably been, both learned a lot from our mistakes at uh, different times. But the most important thing, I think, for us as Christian parents is um, that we should have a clear goal for our children. What are we trying to do as parents? Start with a question, get your mind thinking so you don't get uh, too lazy. Um, what would you say are the main goals that parents have for their children? These are all parents, any parents. Um, what would you say the main goals that a parent has for their children? Anyone want to shout any out? Protection. Protection. Yeah, keep them safe. Um, yeah. To be happy. Yeah, we want to see our children happy, don't we? Lead them to the Lord. Yeah. Anything else? I'm sure, there's loads you could come with. Sorry, Anne. Good, good education. education. Yeah. Well adjusted and contribute to their society, I suppose. Yep. Well adjusted, contribute to their society. I'll repeat these comments in case people don't hear them online. Um, here's a few answers that um, from a recent survey. To be happy was mentioned. To be healthy. Have a stable, happy family life, to be well-adjusted, was said. To be loved, to be kind, to find a career they enjoy, to be respected by their friends and colleagues, to be lucky in love, not have their heart broken, to find a passion outside of work, to have a fulfilling social life. All good things which I'm sure we would want for our children. But I guess this is a seminar on Christian parenting, um, so what would... Um, our main goal be for our children, as Mark said, it is to lead them to the Lord. We want them to, to know God. Um, you know, why did Christ give himself up for us? Well, we read in 1 Peter 3, don't we, that Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. We want to see our, our children come to God. We want to have a relationship with him and um, to become followers of Jesus Christ. Um, in the words of the Westminster Confession, our purpose should be for the whole of humankind um, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Of course, the big problem is that that is not in our power uh, as parents for our children. Um, it's only God ultimately who can, can save them. 
But our parenting, and therefore everything that follows this evening, should have that goal in mind. We're seeking to lead them to the Lord. Um, And so the focus of our parenting should be on helping our children to fear God rather than to fear other people. So we should be focusing on their heart rather than simply on their outward behavior. Before coming on to what the responsibilities, therefore, as as parents should be with with those goals in mind, there is something we do need to remember, though, and that is that our children are born sinful. Um, We read in Ephesians 2, do you remember, uh, beginning of our series, uh, we, we read these, in verse 3, we read these verses. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now that rebellion against God didn't start when we got to a certain age. Um, yes, we may have been more innocent as a child, but the sin was still there. As um, David wrote in Psalm 51, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And you don't have to be a parent for very long before you see the sinful tendencies of your, your child. Yes, babies are lovely, aren't they? But um, they are just pre- preoccupied with themselves um, and their needs, which at uh, that stage in life is normally about um, getting food or wanting their nappy changed and expressing that need in any way they can, which is to cry and make a fuss. As children grow older and um, eventually become adults, if they don't become Christians, um, then they, they remain um, in those ways, those self-centered ways. They may just become a little bit more sophisticated in the way they, they get their own way. But it's important to remember this truth because the temptation might be to simply try and shield our children from anything that may corrupt them, as if they're born innocent and can only get worse. And yes, there will be things that have a negative influence on them, which we'll look at in a minute, but our goal should be to actively help them to come to know the Lord, to become born again, to become spiritually alive as they come to know Jesus. As J.C. Ryle says in his book, Duties of Parents, he says, Our hearts are like the earth on which we tread. Leave it alone, and it is sure to bear weeds. So what is the first thing we need to do? The main thing we need to do, we need to bring up our children in the training and instruction of the law. That's the verse we looked at the other week. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, and so bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And Deuteronomy 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. And so the first thing we need to do is just teach them the gospel um, in an age-appropriate way. The gospel is a simple message for a child to, to understand. It's ultimately about having a relationship with God, um, knowing they can listen to him, knowing they can, can speak to him. So it means teach them to read the Bible. 
to have confidence in it, that it is the word of God, that it's true, that they can trust it. It means teaching them to pray as, um, uh, to God as their father, using maybe helpful aids to start with, like uh, the, the TSP aid, thank you, sorry, please, but expecting him to answer those prayers. It means teaching them that prayer is the first thing we do in any situation, and that God enjoys hearing our prayers. It means teaching them godly behavior. Why it's important, not just as a, a set of rules that they have to uh, obey, but as a way of life that pleases God, who is the one who made us, the one who knows what is best for us. And it means teaching them the importance of belonging to a church family, coming together with other Christians to, to worship God. And Ephesians uh, contains loads of references, doesn't it, to God's love for his people, his love for the church. How he wants to see his people grow in unity and maturity. And so it means encouraging our children to have friendships with other Christians, helping them to have other role models, they're not just their, their parents, to, to look, look up to. And just seeing how Christians love and serve one another in a Christian community. So whilst teaching our children and ensuring they come under positive godly influences, at the same time, we should be aware that our children will be vulnerable to the false views and the false temptations of the world. Chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul writes about the importance of being built up to maturity in our faith. And the reason he gives is this in verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants or children, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. The challenge we have as parents is that, our, is that our children, in particular our young people, are being exposed to all sorts of false views, not just at school but on the internet. Um, they may not be taught explicitly that Christianity is false, but they will be bombarded with what uh, Don Carson calls defeater Beliefs, beliefs that challenge and, and defeat other beliefs. Anybody want to throw out what sort of views will our children be exposed to? What are those sorts of views that they will hear that uh, will challenge uh, their view of Christianity? Anybody want to throw out some, some of those? <laughs> Just about everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, the LGBT thing, um, that you know, people should be free to choose their gender, to be choose, they should be free just to choose who they sleep with. Um, yeah, those sorts of views are out there. Um, that's a sort of defeater belief, yeah, Letty? Yeah, all religions point to God. Um, and therefore, if you claim that your religion points to God, then, yeah, you must just be arrogant. Um, again, as a sort of defeater type belief. Um, and it seems sort of quite sort of rational, doesn't it, when you hear it the first time, when children hear those views. Seems okay. Seems very loving. Yeah, absolutely. If it feels good, then just do it. Yeah, must be right if it feels right. Yeah. Here's, um, oops, I haven't got those yet. Uh, here's, here's a few. Um, we talked about more than one way to God. Science, the whole science thing. You know, science is incompatible with religion. Um, 
the whole evolution thing. It's just um, taught as fact in schools. Um, a God who allows suffering cannot be a loving God. Just look at all the world around you. You know, how can your God allow that? That sort of thing. And the cumulative impact of all these these views and beliefs makes it harder, therefore, for a young person to believe or be w- or be willing to be in a minority that um, is considered weird or um, arrogant or, or irrelevant. Um, it's important to discuss these sorts of questions with our children um, to explain the Christian view about them, um, that Christianity does have answers to them. Uh, the thing is, you're unlikely to sort of win a... Uh, an intellectual argument with them um, because they're being bombarded with these things all the time. It's important to discuss them, explain the, the, the counter view. But the main way in which they will be able to um, respond to them is if, if they have a living relationship with Jesus Christ, isn't it? Um, if they know that God is real, then that gives them a foundation to be able to put those beliefs that are coming at them in, in, the, in their right perspective. Uh, they won't worry so much about having to defend their their own views. So our, our children will be vulnerable to false teaching. They'll also be vulnerable to a false lifestyle, to temptation, to do all the things that their friends are doing, things that are considered normal, um, but are also dishonoring to God. Things like excessive concern about their appearance, excessive concern about their popularity, hence the whole use of social media, um, the sex, pornography, be the alcohol, drugs, use of video games, inappropriate video games, etc., etc. But um, these temptations will make us as parents concerned about who's having an influence on them, who are their friends, um, who are they hanging out with. It gets harder as they get to secondary school to know who they're hanging out with. Um, you don't see their friends or their friends' parents at the school gate anymore. But what about when our children give in to temptation? I think one of the most helpful parenting books that uh, Liz and I have found um, as our children hit the teenage years was Age of Opportunity. I don't know how many of you have read that by Paul Tripp. Um, even if you don't remember anything else about the book, uh, the title is, is really helpful to remember, Age of Opportunity. Because what he's saying is that every time your, your teenager makes a mistake, and there will be plenty of those, then just come down on them like a ton of bricks and alienate them or, or become discouraged about what they've done. Discouraged maybe about your failure as a parent, but look at it as an opportunity, an opportunity to, to teach them, to discuss what it is they've done, why they've done it, and what's going on in their, in their, in their mind. Um, use it to point them back to, to the Lord. Use it as an opportunity. And Tripp's very good at um, getting parents... Not just uh, also to focus on the obvious temptations of the world that I've just mentioned, but what he describes as the the unseen cultural pollutants, the unseen cultural pollutants that our children are breathing in. Um, they're subtle. Um, have a think about what they they might be. Um, Chaz mentioned one of those earlier on, didn't she? If it feels right, then just do it. Um, if it feels good. Just do it. That's a sort of unseen thing. Um, it's difficult to point at it exactly, um, but it's, it's one of those cultural pollutants. What, what other ones are out there? Anybody want to, to suggest any other ones like that that are out there? My body, my right. The whole individualism thing. It's, it's all about me. It's about my happiness, my rights, 
my desires. That leads to self-centeredness, isn't it? An unwillingness to take responsibility and to take commitment. Point to the opposite out of Christianity is all about sacrificial love. It's a wonderful alternative to that whole individualism thing. Yeah, any anything else, Sam? Yep, yep. Um, the love of things, of money, um, becomes that I have to have that because everybody else has got it. That focus on physical uh, pleasure, material goods, um, includes clothing, beauty, gadgets. Um, again, point to your children the beauty of the spiritual issues of the heart and, and character. That's much more wonderful than, than stuff. Yeah. Make your own luck. Yeah, um, it's within your control. Um, you can achieve whatever you want. Um, put your mind to it, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's my right. It's my right. Yeah, um, that whole autonomy thing. Uh, no one tells me what to do. Um, leads back to his rejection of authority. Um, you know, I'm my own boss. And again, you contrast that with Christianity. is all about submitting to the God who made us who has that natural authority over us. Lack of respect, yeah, is linked to that lack of respect for authority, yeah, which is growing, isn't it? Respect for adults in general, which you didn't have 50 years ago. Very different. Everybody else is doing it, yeah, just again, do what feels right, what everybody else is doing. Here's a few... Others, the, the relativism thing, I think we, we talked about, um, that you determine what is right for you. Um, you can't tell somebody else that they're wrong, but everybody can make up their own minds. The individualism thing, the emotionalism that uh, we talked about. The presentism, live for the moment. Um, don't worry about the future, uh, let alone eternity. Just live for, for now. Um, materialism, autonomy. And the victimism thing, do you hear that a lot as well? Um, there's a sense of um, it's all down to my circumstances, um, a failure to take responsibility. It's not my fault. It must be somebody else's fault. Um, so we need to be aware of these influences and praying into them, seeing where our children are coming under those influences and praying for protection for them. But moving on um, to the next the responsibility, because it's all well and good teaching your children the gospel, but if your children don't see you living out the gospel in your own life, if that has made any difference, then it's going to be harder for them to really trust it, isn't it? And that's why the half, half of the letter to the Ephesians is made up of um, the first half teaching about God's wonderful grace and mercy, the other half how to live as a Christian. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Paul writes, um, then you need to be living a life that's very different from those around you. Very different from the one you used to live when you lived in darkness and followed the ways of this world. And so as parents, we need, in the words of uh, Kevin DeYoung's book, some of you may have read this, to amaze them with God, to show our children how he's transformed our lives, to model Christ's love in our relationship with them. First, we looked at last week from Ephesians when we were looking at marriage was from chapter 5, verse 1. There it is. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And the definition of Christ-like love that we looked at last week from Paul Tripp was this. It was love is a willing self-sacrifice for the good of another 
that does not require reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving. Now, in many ways, that's more applicable to parenting than it is to marriage. Because in a healthy marriage, you're normally both making sacrifices for each other. Love is normally reciprocated. But in parenting, it can often feel like it is one-way love. Um, when our children are younger, or younger, although it may be physically more demanding, it can be easier because there's more coming back. You're getting more response from them. They still show you in some ways that they love you. As they hit puberty, it gets harder. They don't express it so easily. You're doing all the giving, and you're not getting much in return. And so the key thing to remember is, what is the good of your children that you're making those sacrifices for? What is your goal for your children? That's what we, looked at, what we looked at earlier, isn't it? To lead them to Christ, for them to know God, and to grow to maturity in Christ. So when they do do something wrong, how do we respond to that? And why do we respond to that in the way we do? What is it that makes us respond in certain ways? Is it because... Um, you were disappointed that um, it's showing that they're not trying to please God? Or is it because it's revealed maybe an idol in your own heart? If your teenage son comes in one Friday night and tells you he's smashed your car up, what's your immediate reaction? Is it your financial loss or is it his safety? Is he okay? When your teenage daughter doesn't get home at the time she says she would, again, what's your first reaction? Is it um, her safety? Or is it maybe you're angry about that, that lack of respect she's showing you that she didn't come back when she said she would? Maybe it's because you've lost control of what uh, she said she was going to do. Maybe you're just tired and want to get to bed. And maybe you've got an important meeting in the morning and it's disrupted your, your convenience. What does it reveal about us? And when we rebuke them, what do our emotions and the words we use say to our children? Does it all become about us and our inconvenience? Or are we trying to show them that we're concerned about them? We're concerned about their behavior. We're concerned about their character. We want them to grow up to become respectful of others, to become trustworthy, become followers of Christ. Paul writes in chapter 4 of um, Ephesians, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's meant for Christians in the church, but of course it's relevant for parents in the home as well, isn't it? Which brings us on to our next point. We should teach our children to obey us for their own good and not exasperate them. Chapter 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Discipline is an important part of parenting. Um, Children need boundaries. They will try and push those boundaries, whatever age they're at. Um, They'll try and find a weak link. Maybe the weak link between the, the mum and the dad, try and exploit that. Um, so let's just spend a moment, maybe in twos, uh, threes um, around you. Uh, try and answer this question. What are the, some of the ways 
in which we get discipline wrong as parents? What are some of the ways in which we get parenting wrong, if you like, uh, where we adopt ways which are not helpful for our children? Just spend a couple of minutes um, brainstorming that and uh, see what you come up with. I'm sure there's loads we could come up with. Anybody want to um, shout out anything? Some of the ways in which we get parenting wrong. Mistake, or yeah, yeah. Yeah, disproportionate response to the mistake the child has made. Yeah. Um, If they've made a minor mistake, you're not going to punish them with a really um, big punishment. So this doesn't reflect what they've done. Yeah, disproportionate. Anything else? Inconsistency. Yeah, yeah. One thing that children really pick up on, isn't it? Inconsistency in terms of uh, how you respond to their behavior. Um, if they do one thing, get away with it once, and you punish them the next time, they're going to wonder what's going on. Uh, inconsistency between the two parents as well. If one of them's doing one, one's a bit softer than the other, um, they'll, they'll pick up on that, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, for the benefit of those that are listening. Um, if we're not Christians when we were parenting our children and become Christians later on, that becomes much harder if we haven't instilled those Christian values in our children at a younger age. Um, yeah, thank you. One more. Lack of discipline for an easy life, yeah. Um, just let them get away with it. Um, make sure life easier. Again, that comes back to our idols. Or do we just want an easy life for comfort? Um, but what we're doing to our children is saying that actually that doesn't matter, just get on with it, yeah. Here's um, a few that Anne Benton, I don't know if you've read any books by Anne Benton on parenting. She comes up with an A to I of the common pitfalls of parenting. Um, allow anything, that's the one Jackie just mentioned. Um, and often it's, um, it's not just laziness, it's sometimes out of a, a fear that if um, you don't let your child do that thing, um, somehow they won't love you. Um, so it can be a fear of losing the love of your child, especially if they're saying, everybody else is doing that. Um, you're the worst parents in the world. Um, bribery. Um, sure, we've all um, done that at some point. Um, might vary from uh, promising your toddler some sweets if they stop screaming when they're going around the supermarket. Um, maybe giving money to your teenagers when they pass exams, things like that. Uh, that Behind all that is actually, what are you teaching your children? What are you saying to them is important? What are you, how are you motivating them? Is it the reward they get? Or is it actually trying to do um, what Christ would do? Um, are you modeling Christ's behavior? Or are you trying to give them some other motivation? Um, just the whole thing of being totally child-centered is all about the child. Yes, we love our children, but the world doesn't revolve around them. We don't want to bring them up as sport brats. Um, we want them to know their place in the world. Yes, God loves them. We love them but the world doesn't revolve around them. Um, distant. I think the fact that we're here tonight probably means that um, we're not necessarily guilty of that. We want to, to, to love our children, know how we can um, parent them better. But even you know, within the church setting, there are ways in which we can be distant from our children if we're so busy with our lives, um, whether it's through work, whether it's through church, or uh, some hobby that takes us away from them. Explosive. Um, you know, we, we bottle it all up. Our children's doing doing something which um, is wrong, um, but we let them get on with it until it gets to the point where we can't take any more, and we explode. It's not helpful parenting. Um, 
well, that's going to teach the child as well. I'll just keep going. I'll keep going. They don't mind at the moment because I haven't said anything. Um, <laughs> once they explode, then I know I'll have to stop. Um, and all it's teaching a child is so that's the way you you parent. Um, fault finding. Um, I think for a lot of people it's easier to find fault than praise. And uh, if that's all we're doing as parents, actually we're not sort of really encouraging them. We want to be um, helping them, praising them for those good things that they do do. Uh, not just on their backs the whole time. Uh, guilt. I think if we feel guilty as parents about things that we haven't done, uh, maybe we haven't spent all that time with them we should have done, um, we, as a guilt trip, we do something that um, is a bit excessive, basically, rather than just simply saying, actually, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Um, please forgive me. And the way that we do as Christians, we seek forgiveness. Hedging, a sort of overprotectiveness, um, as if we can somehow control our children and protect them from any evil out there. Um, because they grow up, we need to teach them to become independent, to take responsibility for, for themselves, and inconsistent, which we mentioned before. So what about when, um, when punishment is necessary, though? Um, what are some of the principles we should remember when we do discipline? Our children. We mentioned one that sort of um, should be proportionate to what they've done. Anything else, uh, just in terms of the way we go about disciplining our children? Yeah, not to do it when we're angry. Remain calm um, as you explain to your child what they've done is wrong. Um, yeah. And when we're tired, it comes easy to get angry, doesn't it? What are we trying to help them do ultimately? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's getting them to the point where they see what they've done is wrong, that they they are sorry for it. Um, at that point, it's good just to pray with them, isn't it? You know, ask the Lord for forgiveness, um, and then it's done. It's forgotten. It's, you move on. We don't bring bring it up again. I think also just on there, it's important for them to know that God has given you the responsibility as parents to to teach and discipline your children. Um, that is something you have to do um, because God has given you that to do. Um, as they get to adulthood, then it will be their responsibility to make their own choices and decisions. But as parents, we're helping them to, to make the right decisions. So sometimes we have to make those decisions for them um, so that we're doing what we're told that the Lord needs us to do. Number seven, we should teach our children to be strong in the Lord. Freshen our minds from this morning, hopefully. Uh, chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The lesson I think somebody said earlier that children are receiving from the world is they can do anything. You know, the world's your oyster. Just get on and do it. Um, you just need to build your confidence, build your self-esteem. Trouble is a heavy burden for children to bear, isn't it? Um, because we can't do everything. Um, everything's not in our strength. Um, and what that can do is leave children quite anxious, um, worried about living up to certain standards which they, they can't achieve, um, wondering whether they're really loved. Um, the wonderful teaching of the Bible is that Jesus loves us no matter what. Um, he wants to carry our burdens. He tells us to come to him with our burdens. Um, we don't need to try and be something that we're not. He loves us, whatever. The good news is also that there's much we can do that appears impossible, but we can seek his strength. 
and he will help us to do, to do those things. Um, but it's in his strength, not in our own. And what pleases and glorifies God most, something we need to teach our children, is when we go to him. He longs to hear our, our prayers. He longs to answer. He delights in that. Um, so let's, let's keep coming to him. I think one thing we need to do is teach them about disappointment. Rob Parsons is very helpful in this book, in his book um, Teenagers. And he mentions three ways in which we need to get them ready for disappointment. One is disappointment with others. Um, and particularly within Christian circles, I think um, uh, help them see whilst um, Christians uh, should behave with greater moral standards. They don't always. They're still human. They're still sinners. They will still fail from time to time. Um, but that's why we go to the Lord for forgiveness and he forgives us for our, our failings. Likewise, as parents, they'll see after a while we're not perfect. Um, when we make mistakes, let's, uh, let's acknowledge them and, uh, and ask our children to forgive us. Um, and let's help them see that the only person who they can really trust is Jesus Christ himself. Get them ready for disappointment with themselves. Um, it's easy, I think, for young people to be racked by a sense of guilt. You know, they know what they should do, particularly if they put their trust in Jesus, but they've let him down. So help them with that, that they will let him down, prepare them for that, but he will forgive them. He will build them up again. Um, and remind them that we're not behaving in a certain way to impress others. The main thing is we're, we're seeking to please the Lord. Um, and finally, get them ready for disappointment with God. Um, I think it's easy to think um, as a child that if I pray for something, God will answer it. And if he doesn't, you know, something's wrong. Um, maybe he doesn't love me. Um, maybe he can't do that. Um, why does he not answer that? So teach them about prayer. That God knows best. He's perfectly wise. He will answer our prayers um, according to his wisdom and his his timing. So finally, um, which again was where we left uh, this morning, we should keep on praying for our children. Chapter 6, verse 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. What do we pray for our children? Well, everything we've looked at this evening, really. Um, for ourselves, that we would remember our main goal for our children, to lead them to the Lord, that we would bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, that we would model the gospel in our homes, that we would show sacrificial love to our children, that the Lord would guard us from the pitfalls of their parenting, protect us from the idols of our hearts that might get in the way of our parenting. And for our children, that they would respond to that gospel teaching, that they would know the love of Christ, they would put their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, that they would earnestly seek God, that they would grow in love for him and his word, they would enjoy praying, they would enjoy church, Pray that God would protect them from the false views they're being taught, from the temptations of the world, and from those destructive um, cultural influences we talked about. Pray that they would accept discipline, learn from their mistakes, and grow in Christ-likeness. 
pray they will be strong in the Lord, put their trust in him rather than themselves or others. And pray they will make wise choices in terms of career, in terms of partner, and in terms of the use of the gifts that God has given them. So those are things there to pray. Um, we're going to spend some time now in the small groups so before we finish praying into those um, subjects. It's funny you just pray in threes, fours, whatever is appropriate, um, twos if you like, or on your own, whatever you feel most comfortable with. Um, maybe pray for your own children, the children of those you're in the group with, um, children of other parents in the church. Um, let's spend some time praying as God, God leads us, shall we? Let's pray to close. Father God, we thank you for your wonderful love for us. Thank you that it is the, the best love. It surrounds us, it embraces us, it lifts us up to, to glory. It picks us up when we fail. Father, may we show that love to our children to our children in the home, to our surrogate children in the, the church. May we all feel responsible for the children of this church and continue to pray for them and lift them up to you. Help us to continue to support the parents in this church. Help us to continue to pray for those children who have grown up and moved on who do not yet know you. Lord, we pray for, for your mercy. We pray that uh, you would cause our children to come to you and to put their trust in you and to accept Jesus as their Lord and their Saviour. We pray that in his name. Amen.